This is a conversation with Sunit Pansare. He's a design strategist at WNS Global with a master's in industrial design from MIT Institute of Design in Pune. He's also the founder of Vedika, which is showcased at the Global Grad Show in Dubai in 2019. In this episode, we discuss design with a focus on speculative design, design fiction, future of work, science fiction, AI, and creativity. This is no time. If you like what you see, hear, touch, or feel, then do subscribe on YouTube, follow this channel on Spotify, or rate five stars on Apple Podcasts. This project continues to take a lot of my time, money, and effort, and will to live. So if you'd like to see it continue, then do consider supporting it on Patreon. And thank you to the two people who have already done so. For other forms of love and support, you can follow this channel on Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or follow me personally. And now, it is no time. So there's a popular saying that everything is designed, but few things are designed well. How would you measure the impact of good design for a field of work that's all around us? One, what is its importance? And two, do you think it's valued enough? Ooh, pretty complex. So, <laughs> it's a good start. <laughs> so, so here's the thing, right? Um, let me try to explain this with the help of an example, right? So, Tesla, the car, is I think a pretty good product. They are they are solving a great problem. But the thing is, what happens is. most often when you try to solve a problem you're solving it for a maximum of 3 or 4 stakeholders right and we don't really fathom the um like the various connections that those are the ripple effects that come from uh, solving that problem right so tesla is a great product but um recently there was an announcement that tesla is going to start uh, their production and also uh, sell their vehicles in india now uh great right great for renewable en- energy great for climate change yes right tesla cars are coming in uh, in india just imagine in a few years now you're going to plug in the charger into your car to charge right so electricity is being uh, used now the thing is 70% of electricity that's generated in india is generated from coal right So have you really solved the problem is is this great design so that it's really hard to put proper uh, metrics to this but um the whole idea is to sort of make sure and this there's this whole movement right there was this is this is how it's come right there's this whole movement of user centric design but now it's changing to uh there's this design community which is actually putting forward um society centric design right we need to be thinking about what are the animals what are the birds what are the plants um we need to be thinking about then and then when you try to solve a problem and try to create a design which caters to multiple stakeholders and also captures the ripple effect on uh stakeholders associated with those those stakeholders and that's where you actually make a good design do you think it's easier to spot bad design in comparison to good design because it feels like by its nature good design is a lot more intuitive a lot more seamless goes unnoticed but yeah. bad design really stands out yeah it does but also um what is intuitive i've often noticed especially with um say and um, so apple has pretty pretty much done a pretty good job in creating intuitive products right but they've also um and this is something near al talks about right you've just got yourself hooked onto the uh, product so that's also bad design so so this is a very difficult question to answer and i i i often face um this dilemma of whether it's whether what i've created is a good design or bad design based based on multiple things so it could be a good for someone but it could be bad for another person so yeah it's it's really difficult to spot a uh, bad design also um there's there's this whole theory about you know the don norman's doors um which which where you know uh, usually when you push a door um or when you when you are entering some place you you naturally push a door right so why do you need to have a handle right, right. you can just have so there are these theories and there are theories where you need to tap into the behavioral economics of person to really create good design but i also think it could have uh, negative impacts 
so it's it's this is a very complex uh, thing and what 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 we do now as designers is somewhere create those constraints and say okay uh, this is uh, what we are actually trying to achieve and m- uh, most mostly in industry it happens to be what's the ROI, roi that's generated right because that's how business works that's how a yeah. world works so then it becomes a little easier to say okay this is good design or bad design but for otherwise a, not for a long time it felt like design we or designers were more artistic a lot more creative yeah. and researchers engineers scientists are viewed as these theoretical boring geeky people yeah. you started off studying chemical engineering <laughs> so looking yeah. back now <laughs> my past life yeah <laughs> well, let's not talk about that as <laughs> under wraps <laughs> so looking back now can you find elements of good design in the work that you did in engineering or do you think these are two fields that are still on two opposite ends of the spectrum no i'm a big fan i'm a big fan about uh, of combining two different industries and so yeah um to give you specific examples um well i can talk to you about well not specifically chemical engineering but um a chemical engineering company or chemical company basically and one of their innovations or one of their uh, uh i think i, I in, on some way i would say it was design led innovation was um so they created uh what happens was they had a there was a chem- chemical factory which was creating and this is actually i can take the name marico marico was creating a uh, parachute oil right and uh, again it's actually a chemical formulation at the end of the day but um, what used to happen is in their company there used to um, and this was set up in um, kerala where the unions are stronger it's a communist state right yeah. so it would ha- happen that people would get disinterested in the work and just you know walk out just or ha- the unions were so strong that they would you know revolt against the management so um great design came out there was from the human resource um uh professional right the head of human resource at that he said okay uh, after factory hours let's create a like how we have in schools let's create uh, separate houses and separate uh, you know uh, basically uh, sects within the uh, groups of people at the plant workers and let's have them compete in sports activities right so what happened in that was everyone was just like after work they were just what they what their mind went to was um you know let's go and let's play the sports and let's win and they had that whole sense of community there and i think that's great design or that's great innovation yeah yeah because in fact for marico then after that all those union strikes sort of um went away and uh, they were able to run their business pretty well so i think that's that's great again yes. great design there so design can fit in every field yeah yeah absolutely it's just fast to find okay so then as a follow up question do you think every person can be somewhere on the spectrum of a good designer so i've not done the level of work or research that you have done but today if you ask me to design a living room or an office space i can do a decent job i won't do a great job as well because i've not really looked into it but i have like this um very fundamental understanding of if you ask me to design a table then maybe i can do a decent job once again nothing too out of the world do you think everyone can be a good designer or is it a field that's still quite niche no everyone can be a good designer definitely because again it's something very uh, subjective subjective it's very personal it's it's again human centric and followed by society centric and that is something every human can associate themselves with so Uh, everyone can be a good designer definitely that's good news for everyone who's listening absolutely good news <laughs> yeah on it okay so let's dive into it uh before we introduce a topic of speculative design i would love to um set the premise so i have a question what is the craziest idea about the future that you've come across or if that's too broad then what is your favorite science fiction movie or book that really made you think for a while So one thing about science fiction which I've noticed and this is not something that that I really enjoy is its um marriage with dystopia. Um it's almost like every science fiction is always associated with dystopia but that doesn't necessarily have to be 
that way. Uh, but I think there was some. Uh, I think one movie that I really uh, go back to and watch again and again is Monsters Inc. Because it's not traditionally taken as science fiction. It goes under animation in in the you know traditional genre. Um, uh, but I think see now we're talking about gene editing, right? Say tomorrow you have a pet and you want to say. Um, yeah, listen, I want him to, like, there are too many intruders. I want him to shout. I want him or her or non-binary. I want them to, like, shout at the people who, who come. So you create, like, you edit their genes and then you create a situation where, um, uh, you know, uh, any intruder that comes into your, uh, say, compound, uh, this uh, dog of yours is uh, edited in such a way that it could scream, right? Yeah. Um, or it could, like, it could scare the other person right um imagine now that turning out on a larger scale and that's how it leads to monsters inc right because then now they've all gotten gotten together and they created an industry where they scare other people <laughs> and kids and and then uh, that that's what sort of leads to um another level of uh, you know capitalistic uh, uprising from monsters uh, from people who we have created so i think that that was something that is very interesting. I think Monsters Inc. is, is, is a movie is something that I really enjoy. Um, I think Back to the Future was another movie that I really enjoyed, but I wouldn't say it was like the craziest. Yeah. Um, Black Mirror has been pretty crazy, but again, it goes on the dystopic um, side. I actually have a lot of questions for you on science fiction as well from everything you spoke about. But before that, I think it's good that we set the premise. So. Let's start with what is speculative design? Simply put, it's a technique to reach uh, design fiction, right? So what it means is it's a way of exploring what uh, futures could look like by creating simple artifacts and um, getting the audience to sort of think and explore that further. Just understand what it means to have these artifacts in the future so it could be anything it could be a film it could be a prototype it could be something as simple as a statement it could be a, a photoshop edit it could be a song it it could be literally it could be an art piece it could be anything so you also mentioned design fiction is that the same thing or so design fiction is a practice speculative design is so to be really honest, this is something that's debated in the design community, but I have come to the conclusion that design fiction is the, is, is the practice um, and uh, speculative design is the technique to reach there. Do you think speculative design is more important as a way of thinking or yes. like as a thought experiment rather than the final output? So the video or the movie or the prototype that you create, um, that is good, but it's more important to just get you thinking about the kind of future that might exist or the trends that might be there in the future, how we might be living. Absolutely. So I think speculative design should be used by everyone. It should be used by literally everyone, every field. Policy makers need to use speculative design. Um, government employees need to think of uh, speculative futures. Um, everyone, investors can think about, you know, can use speculative design. I myself, being a small retail value investor, I, I use speculative design to sort of stretch the trends of today, extrapolate them into the future and sort of figure out, okay, which companies could potentially last uh, and what sort of services and products could potentially last. So I think speculative design should be used by everyone, everyone. So it's more of a mental model, more of a thinking framework that you can use. Yeah. Also, so uh, it's not just for yourself, right? Uh, the moment you create something, you 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 there's a potential that it could be used by someone or it could be seen by someone so then it triggers that thought process in them as well so that's something that is absolutely important do you have to train yourself to not dismiss crazy ideas i feel like you need this improv technique of saying yes and to every crazy idea that you come across because it might show you a different perspective or there might be some truth to it because when i was researching for this episode i came across some really like ideas that at first glance like this is definitely not going to happen Something like there's a machine that you can connect to your mouth that will forage for food because there might not be much food in the future. Or Lexus was creating these cars based on your DNA. Or there was these machines that on your first date you can connect with the partner and will show you the compatibility. 
which would be quite useful um, <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah but a lot of these ideas on first face value sound very crazy but if we just like if we just explore them further they might point out something to you so do you think you need to train yourself uh, to think that way to think like to uh, just accept all these ideas and then uh, try and explore them further because it's very easy to be dismissive of it even if you're dismissive right one thing that it lets you do is sort of critique it and what happens in that or when you're dismissive you're dismissive with a reason right you say why it's you're dismissive yeah. so that why is important that needs to come out um so if you're saying okay this cannot happen why it cannot happen right and that gets you thinking and that gets you um even if you're an engineer who's doing a little bit of uh, speculative design say you're a mechanical engineer working on cars and you're doing spe- speculative design right uh when you think of why and you're sol- you need and you go the next day to solve some problem that you're solving in your company yes it makes a big difference to you it, it might not come naturally but it's definitely definitely affecting your subconscious do you think it's it's a mistake when you're designing something and this is not just speculative design but design in general maybe even product design do you think it's a mistake to chase beauty so renzo piano once said that uh, beauty is like the bird of paradise the moment you try to catch it it flies away who so okay is it is it a mistake to chase beauty should you not work towards something that looks good traditionally design was uh, very art focused and very aesthetic focused um now it's more of a problem solving uh, sort of a field so when it comes to um, beauty but it's very again it's perspective like it's very personal it's subjective yeah. uh so from your point of view you might be you know driving towards it and you might be uh looking for yeah this is this is this is beautiful and this is something that i really want to um incorporate but that might not be true for a lot of other people so i think yeah one must mm this is too okay this is a little confusing how to answer this right because also beauty is broad so yeah. it's very difficult to say we only ask oh. difficult questions <laughs> i don't know what you came expecting <laughs> <laughs> oh damn this is a this one threw me off <laughs> beauty <laughs> today i'm going to go and research beauty while you think over it so i also have a question on creativity so this is something that's constantly linked with these artistic fields that this is a very creative uh, field or creative sphere so how do you view creativity is someone who's creative is someone who starts on a blank slate and create something that's completely new or is it someone who knows that he's inspired from multiple influences and sources and just finds a way of using the sources in a way that's never been done before making an incremental change so not creating something that's completely new but using everything that exists but making a slight difference to it what do you think creativity leans towards yeah so there's this whole uh, model that is uh, taught in the design school where most of your um, creative uh or innovative or design interventions happen to be uh incremental like it's right. i think 90% it's 99% i think just one person does someone just comes up with a plane or something you know which which but that also i would argue <laughs> is is going to that also i would argue is uh, something that someone has seen somewhere they yeah. and it's so i am of the strong belief and i was really glad when one of uh, uh a very popular designers in the design community uh, Austin Kleon said that everything under the sun is designed before so uh, there's nothing there's nothing that you're doing new you're just going to create incremental changes if any um so there's nothing new so it's it's a pretty controversial opinion because a lot of people think um, they're doing something really different but which is true which uh, with respect to the context they might be but also it might have happened um 200 years before with some other country in some other small town so it nothing is new nothing is new i i strongly believe nothing is new <laughs> a lot of controversy <laughs> on the show already i must say <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting so then so this stroke of brilliance that people talk about um they oh, just thought of it and just came to you a lot of uh, beatles songs were just like oh it just came in a dream for example and a lot of artists have dreamed of the visual that they want to paint or just happen or they just 
they talk about like they connected to some essence and it just flew through them like they were the medium all of that is that's just rubbish i don't know how people do that <laughs> at least <laughs> expect hate mail to <laughs> <laughs> no i i i don't believe in that um that you need to lit- literally like persevere like stick at your art for quite a, like you know beatles must have written like 500 songs before that song came to them right. um right that and then they could just create a story out of it saying oh you know this was like an essence and all that but i don't think uh, uh it just hits uh momentarily you might feel that but i personally don't think there's any you, you it just comes after practice um and that's why that goes back that takes me back to the, my earlier point which is anyone can be a designer so so the top one can be creative see the top was this flow state as well that yeah. also seems rubbish okay good 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 point i recently watched soul did you watch soul i haven't watched soul no. yeah they have a whole uh, discussion on the flow state there um so i'm not sure about the flow state because i've also been reading um, deep work by cal newport and i think uh, he he i'm pretty much convinced by the uh, psychology of deep work um and how you just get into one state of mind and just like focus there so i don't really know the science behind the uh, flow um but i know for a fact that it takes it takes a lot of practice like no one you, you will not meet someone who has just um done this or gotten uh there's no such thing as overnight success like overnight they've just like or they just found something uh some essence or something that you're talking about i don't think anyone can can really do that it comes from your experience from from various uh, stakeholders that you interact with from friends family uh, nature so you spending 5 years in nature could lead you to something but, and then that something might just happen overnight so that makes you think that oh okay this reminds me of a dad joke actually bol do zor se aa raha hai okay oh, go for it okay so go for it <laughs> so the joke was i'm pretty sure you've heard of it it's a common whatsapp forward so there something went wrong with this massive flight uh so this massive plane and no one could figure out what's wrong so they were like humko ek expert maloom hai we'll call that expert in and that guy came in he looked all over the plane looked all over every machine looked everything through and he found that one screw was loose and he fixed it and then he sent an invoice of $10,000 <laughs> and and then the guys were like uh, you just fixed a screw so why is it 10,000 he said the 10,000 is not for the one screw but it's for the experience of knowing which screw to fix yeah. so i feel like this is the same concept in that yeah sense. yeah that's a yeah that's a good story i, I think it's a dad joke so <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about science fiction earlier a lot of questions i have based on that um from everything i've read of or read books or watch movies it feels like science fiction the dystopian version the dark design is that a right term for it yeah. it falls into two broad categories the first is the world of 1984 by george orwell which is this totalitarian state mass surveillance zero transparency and big brother is always watching you the second category is the brave new world by aldous huxley which is more of this social hierarchy with genetic breeding and you have incentives to stay within your strata strata in the hierarchy in terms of money food partners or any other luxuries and you're hooked on to those addictions so that if you spot someone else trying to break through the hierarchy you will try your best to suppress it so in a way all the citizens itself become this mass surveillance system and if all black mirror episodes can also be largely put into these two categories either one or the other do you since this is not something you like dystopian science fiction yeah. but if you were to speculate on it would you which one would you say is more likely so that's the thing with speculative uh design or speculations they're not predictions so it's really hard to predict um so i would really not predict any of these but what i would um definitely do is really think about these two worlds and think what are those trends of today that are actually extrapolating to those um and really think about whether we need those trends for today so uh something like an ai right to how much extent do you really want it is a decision that we need to make today 
and based on that is uh, how we're going to be um you know uh creating a tomorrow which has say mass surveillance so i think it's and this is again this is something that i have researched a lot and i strongly believe in and i think i also mentioned this earlier is uh, the importance of having two or three different fields working together so uh, i'm a big fan of say a designer working with an artist an artist working with a anthropologist um engineer working with a astrophys- astrophysicist uh, who's working with a liberal arts you know student so on and so forth so which one of these two um yeah i wouldn't be able to predict that and i'm not even sure i want to to be really honest right. okay so then let me take you around a narrow uh field so the year is 2050 and i'm looking for a job as always in my mid 50s one what kind of jobs would exist 30 years from now so when people usually ask me what is the future of work um and there are many principles or tenets that came out of uh, my research but um about six strong ones but two things that are that are going to stand out is uh the disappearance of the answer to what do you do right so if so now um well especially in the indian context if you're going to any wedding at this point there's so many people who just ask you what do you do are beta kya karte hai yeah and they yeah they're like a um, bunch of relatives who just want to know what do you do and and the thing is um so i know you for a while right and i know uh, you're you're not just a robotics um engineer but you're a great um uh writer you also um have your podcast you also a data analytics expert keep so going, keep going. how do you <laughs> start so, so how do you so when i when i ask you what do you do what, what's going to be your answer yeah obviously i have a default answer which is like the professional version but that doesn't really encapsulate me for sure yes yeah. so those so that is going to disappear in the future meaning um and this is something jeremy rifkin also says so he is the um strategist for the fourth industrial revolution for china and germany and what he says is there's going to be three types of uh, broadly uh, like three types of things that you're going to be doing uh, uh, any human being one is obviously the so his his views um the capitalist economy is not going to go away okay that stays so you're going to have that one job or one thing that you're going to work on the second thing is uh something you're going to be making a uh, income from something called a sharing economy which is essentially something like an airbnb or yeah. uber right and the third thing is uh uh that comes out of a zero marginal cost which is a concept in economics which says that um you so there's some jobs that you don't really need anything you just need a computer and an internet right say youtubing so these are the third kind of jobs and you are going to be um encapsulated in these three types of um work i'd say and that's going to define you so um you'll find a comedian who's a comedian at night but uber driver by the day which is going to be absolutely normal and it's happening now it's actually happening yeah. now and that's going to just um extrapolate and go further in the future so that's the idea of future of work so that's one 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 big tenet of what the what jobs are going to look like in 2050 it's really funny you asked me this because uh, there's <laughs> uh, so i conducted this experiment where i was like take a trend of today and um, and the same question uh, what is um uh what do you think it's going to be uh, uh in 2050 right what what work is going to be like or just think about how do you envision 2050 so and this is again a speculative design experiment where um, there were answers which were really interesting so people going from something simple as a uh, decentralized workforce to uh, someone being like so there was a very interesting one which was ramdev baba teaching uh, yoga on mars on mars <laughs> yeah so th- yeah it's quite possible and <laughs> this is something that's really exciting so So yeah uh this is uh one one principle of uh, what the work is going to be like 
and there's going to be uh, and the second thing is there's going to be like a need for constant learning i strongly believe education in the current form will just cease to exist and there's just going to be a need for um, you know need based constant learning adaptive learning that's going to happen so these two tenets will definitely stay are you saying like a structured program like a university will not exist it would not exist for uh, the way it is so in the lectures form because eventually it could be possible that you're taking lectures on the internet but what would it would exist for is hypothesis building and testing um and just like uh, creating experiments and testing them and in in a very uh, in, in a very safe environment which could then you know be transported in the real world so yeah. so let's say i want to let's uh, study plumbing so i want to do <laughs> it's funny this go to plumbing uh, <laughs> okay i'm very interested in the field okay so i wouldn't enroll for one year and do this um curriculum i could it could be on a need based so i have a certain task that i want to accomplish so i just learn up to that point now yeah. the next task i want to do maybe 6 years down the line i might come back to it yeah. really yeah so um, yeah because um yeah it could be possible because see that's the thing right the the first and the second industrial revolution really segmented everyone into a certain job which hit 9 to 5 and you know everyone just really doing one thing their whole lives um but that doesn't have, with 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 technology and internet especially that doesn't really have to happen so you, you and human beings are very dynamic very changing interests so you might want to do plumbing now but you want to do carpentry later right so why not it's a very natural <laughs> yeah. interest of mine yeah or <laughs> damn or you want to do plumbing now but you and then there's obviously this whole um point about experience that comes right so that that is the counter argument but i strongly believe like with uh, a changing educational setup and especially the power of internet that could that that counter argument won't exist in the future so the degree that we have might lose value yeah definitely for me that earlier <laughs> <laughs> spent all these years yeah because yeah. i mean even now there are a lot of questions on um, degrees right it's especially because uh, they are expensive and uh, people are now questioning the return on investment on those degrees so uh, it's i feel it's starting and i think it's just going to trend in in the future i think yeah we can both agree that any anything you can learn in university now you can learn online yeah So it's not the learning experience. So what does that degree signify? Fascinating. So you're basically completely dismantling my life. Yeah. My degree चला गया. अभी job चला गया. No, but university, university yeah. is. Um, I mean that safe space will stay. That I I strongly believe that that safe space will stay because that's a place where you can freely create, um, experiment. test your hypotheses and yeah. so on so i think that that definitely so the the research arms or the labs of them will be more yes mm. interesting you also mentioned the sharing economy so is it possible then if when i go to work my car becomes this driverless taxi that goes around earning me money my house becomes an airbnb that people can stay in for the day yeah. or any other asset if i have a camera that can be rented out for the moment i'm not using it so every single asset that i own becomes part of the sharing economy yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i have a friend uh, who i recently um uh, met again and he is a he's an artist and he has an airbnb in um, a hill station in india and uh, those are his two sources of income he said i can i'm i don't have to worry uh, about my income as an artist and i can freely practice my art without any constraints because i have an uh, airbnb that i you know sort of host people on so yeah that would be some possible options for me to work in 2050 when i'm in the mid 50s yeah okay yeah why Absolutely. not yeah all right um what role do you think ai plays in the jobs that might exist would it affect the kind of jobs that will be there or is it still a problem that is 100 years down the line a lot of future work strategists like believe this at the moment um and i have two minds about this to be really honest uh what they say is the jobs that are repetitive are going to obviously go away and uh the jobs requiring hard skills are the ones which are next in line um 
but what will be hit, hit last is um, jobs that require soft skills. So um, there's going to be a definite shift in um, how people are going to work uh, of the jobs that's going to be existing uh, because most of it will just, there's going to be a shift. There's going to be a radical shift. Um, but I still don't think AI is going to take over. Uh, I, I don't believe in the dystopian vision of AI just taking over everything. Uh, sure. That's for sure. So a salesman job might survive, but someone who's a receptionist, for example, a bit repetitive, that might go away. Yeah. Warning signs have been issued, so we can come back to this video in the future. It'll be like, these guys predicted it. <laughs> yeah, and if it doesn't happen, I'm going to get like eight <laughs> I'm not worried about it. You can go two ways. You know, it's like Captain America. The I, movie. I think I should have come with like, you know, those helmets that Daft Punk used to have. Oh, yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like Captain America in the movies. One scene in the background, there's like this virus ka photo. And then there's Corona beer next to it. They were like Captain America predicted, predicted it in it, right? Yeah. This is the same thing. Yeah, I think Simpsons also have predicted quite a bit like, this way. <laughs> That's a bit freaky, actually. The Simpsons predictions. Yeah, those are really freaky. Okay, so we've got a fair idea of what kind of jobs might exist. What kind of workspaces would exist, do you think? Do you, would offices as we know it, would they still survive? When we speak about work itself changing, so I don't think offices also in their current form would, would remain the same. Um, but I also think uh, in a very present scenario, right? I do enjoy spending a certain time in a certain space that that is not my house. So I I think there'll be a hybrid model. At least this is my prediction for the next, for the near future, um, for the near future. I really, it's really hard to predict what can, what will be in, you know, 50 years down the line. But near future, yes, uh, there's going to be a hybrid model of uh, workspaces. And um, I don't know, the WeWorks and uh, the other co-working spaces have uh, been popping up. And I think that's going to be a comfortable option for uh, organizations uh, than, you know, just having setting up their own offices. So I think co-working would, would take off. But yeah, also because it provides that safe space for... Uh, various different uh, so it doesn't happen that a, in a co-working space you have same kind of people working right it could it could potentially happen that there's a very different kind of uh, and that creates that learning environment in fact the whole apple uh, the newer campus that they've built steve jobs had the whole idea where you know people from different departments would come back come to the center and then they would discuss and exchange ideas and then go back yeah so i think uh, that way uh, co-working spaces could could take off i really hope that meetings don't survive because yeah there's a thing about meetings that can be emails <laughs> or meetings that can be phone calls nowadays i feel meetings can be tiktoks honestly <laughs> like the amount of stuff you can convey in a normal tiktok i've learned more from tiktoks than a meeting that's gone for one hour or two yeah that's hours. a good idea tiktoks right yeah. i have these templatized tiktoks for like what do you want to convey there's right? a business you know? opportunity yeah i feel mm -hmm. And I think even the interview should go away. I'm just giving my wish list of what should go away. <laughs> what can stay. that handshakes and like dress up well and all that. Lot of it, lot of it, I don't get it, man. Anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm having a ball working in my pajamas. <laughs> right? I actually honestly feel like the pandemic would um accelerate this transition into the hybrid model that you're talking about. Yeah. Because even companies will realize that they were an office space is quite inefficient in many instances. There are there are moments where you need to have that collaborative working environment, but for a large part, a lot of people spend a lot of time in commuting, yeah. which is a big cost to the yeah. company, which yeah. they never realize that we can do without. Yeah, definitely, just big cost to a human being as well, like yeah. personally on the employee who's going. I mean, you can milk those extra hours out of <laughs> those people. <laughs> Right. I mean, I mean, just for the organizations, uh, yeah, <laughs> for the ones looking to exploit, I'll give you, I'll give you more. <laughs> and then I think the biggest realization was that most of the jobs that exist can be done online. You're not really required required to be in an office to do those. Apart, if you're doing something very hands-on uh, that require to be on site, 
for a lot of management positions you don't really have to be there all the time um we have spoken about this in the past and you have mentioned that there is one element uh where even the management position might be required in office is to put that pressure or to make sure that the goals are met right yeah i think uh, coming back to the same uh, soft skills point i think some things like negotiating um yeah like encouraging uh, emotional intelligence i think those kind of things are well uh those are the things that 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 are going to stay right those are the things that will be required um ultimately we're still humans and we yeah. <laughs> require human touch we have not been taken over by ai nor are we like genetically like you know we still have uh, normal arms and not robotic arms yet so yeah. what role does ethics or morality play in speculative design is this something that you have to focus on as well <clears throat> so when you create a speculative design right there are chances that it is uh probable plausible or um possible and and then you have to see where it fits right in that uh so yeah uh, ethics is definitely going to play an important role you need to create your artifacts in that way and based on those artifacts you have your audience sort of you know react to them and it's 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 actually very open ended so uh what might be ethical to one person might not be ethical to another right and but to get people thinking about that is very important and that's why i mentioned that uh you know policy makers need to do speculative design because they are really creating those frameworks for people to work in so it's more important just get that conversation started for now yeah that's okay. that's the main that's the main uh, goal of speculative design um is to get the conversation started and actually go and critique what's happening it's part of critical design because one of the examples i came across was the one i told you about where lexus is using your dna to customize the car for you so it would know the seat would be made for you and the car is also made completely for you but i'm not sure how i feel about it i'm not sure if that's a very ethical way of going about it because they have access to my genetic code which is way too much information i'm not that open as well you know so so it feels like that at some point when you start start drawing the line because this will this technology will catch on speaking of ethics right people who are actually capturing the data of or capturing what um what your genes look like they need to be very ethical or they need to know or they <laughs> and there's so many factors right so they've been it 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 happens almost in every industry and it's like when you're creating something and you still have a business pressure that's um hanging on top of your head there are things you're going to be like oh okay let's overlook this right we don't have any space for that when you're doing stuff like this yeah. right we cannot um be in a position where we like overlooking a few things we need your exact gene we need a full comprehensive list or data on your genes and how you behave and all your biases and all your um, behavioral economic factors and how you think fast and slow and um how your thinking goes all of that right so yeah i i think only when you have that data and when you can uh, understand that data and structure it properly is when you have the right um and the uh, you know, yeah basically the right to develop something like this real tough questions that we have to face now i feel right because let's say with the driverless car how do you make that choice like who you going to hit yeah. in a moment of an emergency exactly the trolley problem yeah, the trolley problem yeah, yeah. or social media um the way uh you design a platform today what do you maximize on do you maximize on likes follows or just people engaging but then they will naturally form a divisive society that you've seen on twitter which has become this cesspool of hatred <laughs> right now so these kind of questions and conversations really need to be happening now right because we have started. definitely yeah before we start wrapping up i would love to get your comments on uae as well so sheikh mohammed had once said that the future belongs to those who can imagine it design it and execute it and it is not something that you await but something you create and my personal opinion is that dubai is one of the few or if not the only example of a futuristic city or a city of the future and we have seen the government's work towards uh, futurology or speculative design they have a dubai future foundation that's set up and the museum of the future as well that's coming up that's superflux is working on which yeah. is quite 
uh, popular in the field. What do you think of Dubai in terms of speculative design? First and foremost, right, museum of the future itself is what it's it's a paradox. It's those words don't really go together, yeah. museum and future. <laughs> But the audacity to think in that way yeah. is is amazing. It's commendable because you need to really yeah. think about breaking the paradigms of today and just think about that that exa- that's exactly what uh, speculative design is right and what's happened is this is probably i think in my opinion this is the biggest experiment of uh, speculative design that i've ever seen right the museum of the future to have a whole you know uh, architect uh, construct a building just meant for and have these uh, amazing installations and what i really like is uh, their uh direction towards utopia so it's not uh usually what speculative designers say is you really shouldn't be thinking of whether this is dystopia or utopia um you should just see wh- how it how it affects you right. right but i feel somewhere you need to present some uh nudges and triggers that take you towards uh, either of the two directions and i think uh ue is um, and specifically dubai is doing this um by taking the step to move towards utopia right and i i think it's a great initiative i i i'm i'm looking forward to it do you have an idea of what's going to be in in it yeah so uh superflux has uh, i think worked on this if i'm not wrong at least they did that uh with the world government uh, summit which is which is um, again based uh, it happened in dubai um so some of the artifacts or some of the installations there were on healthcare on transportation so um for for example healthcare was uh you'll wake up in the morning and there's going to be a smart mirror which will tell you oh okay um you looks like you haven't gotten sleep in a few days uh i'll do one thing let me notify um the workers the your colleagues in your uh, organization and also your boss and i'll uh, do one thing let me also notify your um uh you know uh orange juice maker to put in more vitamins and then so that you can have uh, more vitamins today and revitalize yourself so that whole um installation was a part of the healthcare uh, section of um uh, the world government summit and i think that's something they're going to replicate so with respect to healthcare or transportation infrastructure the city governments um monitoring and managing happiness and uh, i think that is something that that is <laughs> that is great <laughs> yeah well that's interesting the smart mirror is an idea that's been around for a long time in fact i worked on one in my in the days of my youth yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but unfortunately hasn't come out so far i'm not sure why it seems like a technology that can be done easily now because yeah. we have the connection we have the internet is and the transparent displays are there as well but not sure would you use a smart mirror if you had it would i use a smart mirror i think that too many um uh, it has too many stimulations so i'm not sure that is something that i want uh, first thing in the morning but i would considering consider it later in the day or i would like it without any stimulations or without any notification to have a non intrusive sort of setup where yeah my coffee is uh, automatically made to the temperature i like it or my orange juice already has vitamins without they telling me so i would like that level of non intrusive uh, sort of um, interventions but the moment it becomes into uh, intrusive and they telling you things that's just like having a nagging parent or something <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn i see that's how it works huh yeah. all right <laughs> okay yeah. so before we start wrapping up love for you to interpret what we've built with the lego Uh, we can start <laughs> with your wonderful creation. Okay. Uh, what do you think that is? This is a ship anchor. I think so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Potentially. It looks like a robot to me, but a thick one. Future <laughs> of the <laughs> future of shipping anchors. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it could be any design, right? Is there a specific reason why they follow the that design that they have? Yeah, I think uh yeah, there should be something I'm pretty sure but I I'm not sure why it is that. There's a business opportunity here as well. Yeah. 
look like a person yeah i thought this is a but what is what, what have you done what, is what have i done uh, take a guess uh is it like a is it like a uh, it looks like a sp- the international space station yeah that's what it's going <laughs> for i should <laughs> that's exactly what i was doing uh good one past, <laughs> the interesting part would be what it together what would it be make oh, let's put it Inter- international space station with an anchor to the yeah. <laughs> so that people it doesn't lose sight of earth right yeah and then this fly away yeah <laughs> that's not how science works <laughs> <laughs> no misinformation on the show please <laughs> okay final questions what are some books movies people that have been very strong influences in your life in one of your earlier podcasts uh on the earlier episode uh, i think you spoke about uh, the changing nature of uh, role models right in your life yeah i think i strongly believe that and i've come to a um, conclusion after a long time that uh, you know i was seeking something else but the true role models were right in my house so i think uh, my I, i mean this is going to be a boring answer but my parents are my definitely my mom and dad are um, the role models i look up to uh, my brother definitely um again uh he's someone i learn from every day so yeah that's uh, these are definitely ones external role models sorry if i could just pause there for a moment in what ways do they inspire you and the first time i've heard of a younger brother inspiring an elder brother speaking <laughs> as a younger brother i've only been treated like trash so ambuj <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to this <laughs> he's not <laughs> he's definitely not okay um yeah so in what ways do they inspire so to be like so uh okay to give you an example right um uh um uh, very recently i was reading uh the almanac of nawal ravi khan and uh, also like have been watching his um, you know episodes his podcast for the longest time like sort of understanding what are his world views and stuff like that and i realized some of those teachings have already been inculcated in me from my father right and i never recognized that until you know an external um sort of entity brought it up and explained it to, in that probably uh, clear fashion that even probably my dad did but obviously i had biases biases working on me that i was like or i was like a, anyway i was a, a messed up teen- teenager <laughs> not wild, a wild child. hormonal yeah yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. so yeah um So yeah, uh so things like these little things like these uh one of the biggest thing that they've inculcated inculcated in me is uh people right how to deal or not steal but how to be with people and I think that's so it's not really hard skills that they didn't teach me oh you know uh, math or uh, geography or anything of that so they were not like oh wow you know they taught me how to how to play the tabla but how to sort of be with a person who's teaching you how to play with uh, the tabla is something that they taught me so i think that was uh, really important and uh, <laughs> yeah speaking of my brother i just um yeah i learn a lot from him every day uh, just his the way he navigates problems and stuff like that um also how he keeps his cool while he's navigating problems so everything that i am not <laughs> he manages to do really well so i i think i look up to that and yeah so i think that's a great brother i mean <laughs> i mean talk about you yeah <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, oh just as a big brother having that uh, like you know big brothers have this thing like hum bade hai types <laughs> just to be able to look beyond that and find that there are a lot of things you can learn from me even your younger brother that's uh, uh, remarkable also you were talking about external role models so yeah, yeah. distracted you yeah yeah external so i don't know like external role models like uh, so after a lot of seeking and you know looking up to external role models this is where i've come and this is where i'd like to stay so yeah. i think but but speaking of the past uh, i think someone like i i used to really look up to uh, say someone like uh, sudha murthy or um, rahul dravid um who else i used to also look up to shahrukh khan at one point i mean he's achieved quite a bit um, but uh, like looking looking back now I'm, i find a lot of us you should really like shahrukh khan when you're growing up but now all of us say that that love is gone yeah, yeah. yeah. oh bachcho wala pyar bachara yeah true i'm i don't know why that is 
but one thing i can like uh, never take away is the fact that uh, he's worked really hard so people who've worked hard in their fields i genuinely do respect and uh, i mean for me i don't have to put someone in on a pedestal to, for them to be a role model i i think i find my role models in my friends um i learn a lot from you i learn a lot from um every like the other people that are there uh on my friends list <laughs> 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 yeah i learn a lot from my friends and i think that i would give them a stature of a uh, role model i don't want to put like like role model doesn't have to be like a mohammed ali or like yeah chak sharukh khan yeah yeah so yeah right. if someone wants to get into design speculative design what is one book that you can recommend or maybe a movie or just someone's work yeah i think anthony dunn is like he's the one who's from um, royal college of uh, art london and his book and his work is sort of he was one of the few people who had started talking about critical design speculative design and so i i'd recommend that to them um also i'm just like i don't know i'm trying to create some templates as well on a on a personal level which uh i don't know i can make it open source and people can sort of explore so that's that's something i'm working on right now where people can explore and uh come up with their own speculative ideas uh and little prototypes create something i mean something as small as something as small as this could be eventually um uh you know a prototype that you can give to someone and say you know use this this is um um air purifier that works uh on ai and purifies everything yeah. from from your lungs to outside so yeah. what would you like human civilization legacy be like what do you think we should do in the next 30 years now that you you are someone who looks into the future quite often what part do you think we should hopefully travel on so what we need to do for sure right now is look internally before we look externally that's for sure right so first as human beings as i don't think we've identified ourselves completely right and i'm i'm saying even researchers um say people who are sitting in harvard and yale and every everyone who's actually researching on the complex um everything from a from a little neuron to uh, how we make decisions to uh how our brain acts in different situations how fight or flight mode is how is it activated stuff like that i don't think that's just i, I feel like that's just 5 to 10% of human the 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 research then that's done up till today is just 5 to 10% of the human um body and there's a lot more that needs to be done before we start making decisions on ai and all these other external factors so i think first let's understand us internally understand how we work and um, map that before we make a decision in the future interesting final question for you what is the meaning of life there is no meaning of life <laughs> you can prepared for this you are very good no uh yeah uh, yeah i i actually so the moment you put that in i i thought about it and again and again uh, it's really exciting because uh, a month back i was soul and it sort of captures that as well and that was a very good uh, you know pictorial uh, sort of depiction of uh people going running behind meaning of life but i don't think there's a meaning of life really um it's only after your bond that you have a meaning like you you create some scenarios around you you have nurture nature whatever and then that creates um and it keeps evolving uh, i think that is something that i definitely say uh, meaning of life is definitely it's something that's always evolving Yeah. There is no meaning. So, no Sunil. <laughs> thank you for coming to the show. If people want to find you in person online, where can they connect with you? Uh, thank you first for um having me. It's um you've completed my lifelong dream of uh, being <laughs> on a podcast. Uh, so, yeah. and no better podcast to be you've been on. watching this since you were a child. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, ever since I was a little kid. Um yeah, no. Uh so Yeah if anyone wants to find me um I have my website um sunitpansare.com and uh, you can obviously hit me up there and my instagram as well which is uh, s u n w e t v p sunit vp sunit with an n yes yeah, sunit yeah. with the n like uh, sounds good do connect with sunit 
Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> <laughs>